Hi, I'm Scotty. Some of my favorite memories from college involve Baylor football. And many of these memories are highlighted by the banter that came along with the territory. Yeah, it's the banter amongst friends that makes sports fun, and that's exactly what I'm here to bring to you. Welcome to the Please Bear With Me podcast. It is the best time of the week. Welcome to the Please Bear With Me podcast, covering all things Baylor football. I'm Scotty Swingler, and admittedly, Baylor football is not much to speak of right now, but we're going to do it anyway. We've got a great episode coming up for you. Now, a quick note. I actually did not get to go to this last Saturday's game against UTSA. And I intended to watch the whole thing back on the DVR, but frankly, after what I read and the little bit of the game that I did watch, and I did watch, I think, most of the important parts. I watched most of the first quarter. I watched bits and pieces throughout. I watched some of the highlights. I watched the end of the fourth quarter. So to help us break down the game, I'm bringing on Shahan Jayaraja from Baylor Diehards. Shahan is a friend of mine from when we were both undergrads at Baylor, and he is super insightful. He's very smart. He's so good at what he does. He's one of the best sports writers in the country, I think, especially at his age. Great guy. Knows how to cover Baylor football. So I'll have him on to break down the game. As for me, I am first of all going to give you a little bit of a rundown on what it means to burn bridges. We'll talk about that in a second. But I'm also going to do a Bears in the NFL segment after we talk to Shihan. I got that request in an email from a friend of mine named Andrew. Now, I've been telling you for three episodes, please email me if you want to be a part of the podcast and jump into the banter. Andrew is so far the only one who has reached out via email, and so I am going to be doing that segment that he asked for, which is Bears in the NFL. We'll talk about Terrence Williams today. I'm very excited about that. Speaking of interacting with the podcast, let me encourage you once again, if you want your thoughts or your opinions to be on the podcast, email me at Scott Swingler, S-C-O-T-T-S-W-I-N-G-L-E-R, at gmail.com, subject podcast in all caps, or you can contact us on Twitter at bear underscore podcast. Let me know what you think about my thoughts, any thoughts you have on the past week's game. This week, I will share a couple of thoughts I got via text message from some friends, but I really want to hear from Baylor Nation Tweet at me, email me. Thank you, and sick'em bears. At some point in the middle of high school, I had a girlfriend. And now when I say girlfriend, this was before I could drive, so our parents would occasionally drive us back and forth to hang out with each other. But, you know, I had a little girlfriend when I was 15 or so. And when we broke up, 
her dad actually took me on a drive, good man, and gave me a really, really important talk that sticks with me to this day. He said, don't ever burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. You never know when you're going to need to cross that bridge again. You never know what people you're going to need to come back around in your life. You never know when somebody might pop up later and you're going to really need their help. And if you've burned that bridge, you're going to be in trouble. So don't burn bridges. And so that being said, he and I maintained a good relationship since, her father and I. You know, there were no bridges burned, and I thought that was a really, really valuable life lesson for me at that time and to this day. So that's a lesson for you. Don't burn bridges. That being said, Baylor Nation, it's time to burn a bridge to the ground. And I don't like making enemies, but some of you may not like me after I say this, and I'm okay with that. Art Bryles is not coming back. He should not come back. And we need to burn that bridge to the ground. Listen. I met Art Bryles several times while he was here. He was perfectly nice to me. I really liked the guy. Yes, he was a great football coach, speaking strictly in terms of on the field, wins and losses, strategy, drawing up an offense. The dude was good. But it is frustrating me more than I can even express to you to get on Twitter to get on Facebook after Baylor's lost a football game, two football games, and see some men and women that I thought I really respected going on these rants about, we screwed up, we shouldn't have fired our brows, it's a conspiracy, ESPN wanted him gone, Matt Rule sucks. Bring back Art Browse. Stop it. Burn that bridge to the ground. I shouldn't have to go through the reasoning for this, but I'm going to anyway because so many people don't seem to understand this idea. Number one, women were sexually abused, and there is evidence that Art Browse knew and did not do anything about it. I'm not going to go as far as to say that he enabled. There is, I haven't seen evidence for that. But I have seen text messages about covering up things from police, covering up things from the media or the public. You've seen those text messages too. So the reality is the guy was trying to sweep things under the rug. Number two... You cannot, in any sense, give up on a coach after two games. That's not fair to Matt Rule. That's outrageous. Can you imagine if the Cowboys had given up on Jason Garrett after a couple of rough seasons? Would that have been the right move? Because they're coming off a 13-3 and year, and they're about to have another great year. You don't quit on a coach after two, two games, friends. Two games. 
It takes time to build a winning football program. And I've heard some of you say, well, we already had one. No, we didn't. We lost the last six games of the regular season last year. That coaching staff had bailed. You heard Matt Rule say, just like I did, that he had his players ask him to give them a coaching staff that wouldn't quit on them again. We had a winning football tradition three, four years ago, but that was long gone before Matt Rule got here. Don't kid yourself. Number three, and this is the bottom line, y'all. This is the bottom line. Whatever Art Bryles did or didn't do, football players assaulted young women and were not held accountable for it. That's not acceptable. I hate that that happened at my school. And you can say all you want about ESPN pushing a narrative. I think ESPN has not been fair in their coverage of Baylor football as opposed to like the Louisville basketball scandal or some other issues that have seemingly sprung up and gone away while they have maintained to cover Baylor's for a long time. I understand there's there's some frustrating elements at play. But again, football players assaulted young women and were not held accountable. Art Bryles had to go. And Matt Rule is doing all of the right things to put a system in place that holds players accountable, that holds players to high expectations off the field. That's important. Now, winning football games is important. And don't get me wrong, if two seasons from now we're still having this conversation about losing to UTSA, I'll get on board the Matt Rule isn't the right guy for the long-term train because I want him to win football games just as badly as you do. I promise, our Bryles supporter, I want football wins just as badly as you do. But football wins at what cost? It's not worth it for young women to feel like the university chose football over them. It's not worth it. And again, I had a favorable impression of Art Bryles. And I suspended judgment on him for a long time, more than a lot of people. And then I read those texts to police and to assistant coaches about covering things up from police. And I couldn't deny it any longer. The dude had to go. And that's okay. And Matt Rule is a great football coach. He's a great man. He is doing everything the right way. And you're delusional if you think it's a good idea to bring Art Bryles back. You're simply delusional. Furthermore, it's not happening. No matter what happens on the football field, Art Bryles is not coming back. That would spell NCAA. You you talk about death penalty. Baylor brings back Art Bryles in the next couple years. The NCAA is going to be pressured to do something. Y'all, a Canadian Football League team couldn't even bring Art Bryles in because of public pressure to not bring him in. There's no way Baylor is taking that PR firestorm 
It's, it's simply not happening. So on top of the fact that morally it would be idiotic, idiotic to bring Art Bryles back, from a PR perspective, from a pure numbers perspective, it would be stupid to bring Art Bryles back. It's not happening. So listen, in life, don't burn bridges. I'm not saying you should burn bridges, but for once, this is a bridge that needs to be burned to the ground now. If you are one of those people, Baylor fans who are asking for the university to fire Matt Rule and bring back Art Bryles because you'd rather win football games, because you won't give a coach more than two games to do it, because you are dense enough to think that bringing Art Bryles back is a good idea in any way, shape, or form, you're out of your gourd. You're crazy. And I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence. And I don't like making enemies. But that is a horrifically terrible thing for you to say. You are crazy. And I hope I get two or three of you emailing me in and I will respond to you next week. Because that's nuts. You need to check yourself. Figure out what your priorities in life are. Trust me, I want to see football wins as badly as you do. I think Matt Rule is going to get us there. But that doesn't matter. Ultimately, Art Bryles was fired. He deserved to be fired. And there is no way he's coming back. Get over yourself. Get off your soapbox. Get off Twitter. Those kind of Baylor fans make me sick. Have a reality check. Sorry to get so intense on you. I just, that blows my mind that anybody would think that bringing Art Bryles back is okay. It's ridiculous. Now let's jump into this last week's game against UTSA. Here's my conversation with my good friend and excellent writer, Shahan J. Raja of Die Hearts. Hey man, thanks for coming on the podcast. First of all, what happened, man? What did you see from Baylor on Saturday against UTSA? <laughs> well, obviously it wasn't great. Um, you know, you never want to see your offensive line really get kind of manhandled by a Conference USA defensive line. That was my big issue is just, you know, whatever we want to say about a new Solomon, uh, I, I really don't think that it's as simple as that he's just bad or that he's not playing well. Uh, you know, he had no protection, um, and, and that's against a Conference USA line. I mean, that can't happen. You can't do that and expect to win football games. Um, and, you know, now we do have Zach Smith starting at quarterback, but... Again, Zach isn't as evasive. I don't think you're going to be able to use him in the quarterback run game. And if he's under pressure, I'm curious about how he handles that. Uh, defensively, I thought that they were a lot better. Um, I thought that they uh, they showed a lot more, in my opinion. Um, I think that it was clear that having that experience back helped a lot. And I understand that you know there were still some issues on third down, and I, I know that there were still some breakdowns. But overall, I mean, I think that they played pretty well defensively. So we're 0-2. What's it going to take for this team to win, Shihan? Is it coaching? Is it players just need to step up? What is going on with this team? How are we going to see more wins on the field? Unfortunately, I think it's just going to be trusting the process. You know, I think that um, when you play so many young players, 
that's sort of a natural uh, thing that might happen that you know you're gonna have lapses and especially when you know this this new coach is bringing in a much more complex system which obviously affects the young players because they've never played anything like this before because again in Texas high school football it's very simplistic it's very you know it, it fits more what Art Bryles was doing than what Matt Rule was doing so he has to come here he has to develop these players and I know that if he had it his way he would rather not play all these young guys right away because at Temple you know he really liked to recruit but then develop the guys who are already there and play a few more upperclassmen every year but that's just not what he has going on here obviously so um, you know Rule was given a seven-year contract for a reason. Everybody knew that it would take time, and I know that the process isn't fun. But that's you know that's what unfortunately it's going to be for <laughs> you know at least a couple more weeks, and then maybe people, maybe some of the players start you know getting the concepts a little bit better. Um, you know maybe the team sort of comes together and the line gets a little bit more developed. The young players are more experienced. But uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> with the schedule that Baylor has early in the year, it's going to be tough. You're not kidding about that. Now, last week I had Terrence Ganaway on the show, and he mentioned that he thinks this whole pro style, let's make our guys tough and gritty and hit each other all the time, he doesn't think that's going to work in the Big 12. And I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but it is an interesting thought. Do you think Matt Rule's coaching style can work in the Big 12? Um, should we start worrying about that or is it just going to take time Shihan is it going to work ultimately in this league so a couple things with that uh the big thing with a style like that is that it's much more difficult so I think that one thing that you saw with Baylor the past couple of years is that their scheme you know I don't want to call it simple because I think that that masks you know some of the the genius behind it but but yes, it was simple. It was easy to learn. You know, I mean, I was talking to David Beatty just about the air raid in general at Media Days, and he says that one of the things he likes about it is that it's easy to teach and it's easy to run, but it's hard to defend. And that's what that's very similar to what Baylor's offense was before. You know, and that's why they were able to a lot of the time just plug and play. Uh, whether you know whether it's quarterbacks, whether yeah, it's but wide it receivers, simple. whether you know to an extent offensive right. linemen, um, it's much easier to plug and play when you've got uh, that kind of scheme where you can just. Uh, Tell guys to go out and play football, basically. And when it comes to a scheme like this, yeah, it takes time. And you have to, you know, you can't miss on guys as much. Because if you miss on a guy, that's three years of development wasted. Uh, and, and, and that's the difficult part, is I, I think that, you know, you look at every team that's winning championships, right? And obviously talent is a huge part of that, with, with like an Alabama or an Ohio State or whoever. But, you know, they do start with their defense. And I think that to win championships, I do think you have to start on defense. Now, does that mean that the scheme that Matt Rule has brought in on defense is the one that's going to win championships? I don't know. But I do think that once you prioritize having talent on the defense side of the ball, um, I think that you have to do that to win, you know, at the highest level. Because, you know, those Baylor teams, right, maybe that 2014 team, if things had turned the right way, maybe that 2015 team, if, if Seth doesn't get hurt, but, you know, it's hard to say that, hey, one of these teams was title caliber, you know, was like truly national title caliber. You know, I think that Baylor had some incredible teams, some top five teams in the nation. But again, you got to go out and beat Alabama and Ohio State and, you know, LSU, whoever. And and so I think that it really needs to start on the defensive side of the ball if you're going to do that. Now, that's less fun to watch and it makes it harder to play offense when you do have to adjust to that you want to be a hard-nosed defensive team. And like I said, you know, especially at this point, uh, defensively, 
Baylor's working with less talent than any of those teams, obviously. Um, you know, I think that Baylor has some really nice defensive linemen who are coming along. I mean, I really like Bravion Roy. I really like Ira Lewis. Um, and obviously, KJ has shown in the past what he can do. But that's going to be the tough part is because I think that there are two positions where recruiting means more than other positions. And I think that that's defensive line, well, and offensive line, I'll say, and cornerback. Because, you know, th- that's where you get just guys who are physically able to do it, right? Because you can't teach 6'4", running a 4'6". You can't teach that. Uh, and, and on the at defensive back, you can't teach fluid hips. You can't teach 6'2", you know, 4'4", 40-yard dash, you know, all that athleticism. You can't teach that. Um, you know, that's something that people are either born with or they're not. And that's going to be the tough part is I think that Baylor's going to start needing to be competitive for some of these recruits. But I do think that one thing that I do like about this is you see – Um, Matt Rule not afraid to put better athletes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, You know, Blake Lynch is a great example of that, right? The the previous staff was like, you know, he's really athletic, so let's put him at wide receiver and see what he can do with the ball. And this new staff, and obviously it's been a little bit of a rocky transition at times, but, you know, they put Blake Lynch at cornerback. They they have him going up in man-to-man coverage, even though he's never really done this before. Um, And I think that's what you need to do to, to win at the highest level is have athletes on the defensive side of the ball that are as good as they are on offense and again like I said there's a lot more development that needs to be done for that to work and especially again when you take kids from the Texas high school football level which is what they plan to do and try to teach them how to play these complicated schemes it's much more difficult it's much easier to plug and play with air raid with a with Bryle style offense but um you know it's going to take some time to even really figure out whether this is right because you know, Terrence might be right. Uh, you know, it might not be what's right for this program because, you know, it's not something that's necessarily been successful before. But I definitely think it's too early to say that it's not right. Well, Shihan, me and you are going to agree to disagree about Blake Lynch, okay? Because I think the guy belongs at wide receiver for sure. Um, okay, but back to what you were saying. When it comes to recruiting, you know, we want to recruit these great athletes to fill this system. And, you know, part of the appeal of Matt Ruler, so I've heard, is that he's going to be a great recruiter because he can get guys in the league, right? He can put guys in the NFL, prepare them for success at the next level. But are high schoolers really going to want to come play for a, you know, two, three win team? I mean, that's what we look like we're going to be at this point, right? Don't we have to start winning some more games to get those guys in here? Are you worried about recruiting at all if we keep losing games like this? Well, I think year one is the easiest to recruit because, you know, you can sell that you have so many spots to fill and that you can come in and get immediate playing time. Um, And and I do think that based on some things that we've heard from current recruits at Baylor, uh, you know, 2018 guys, that they knew that this was going to be tough, right? I mean, the big one was before the year, uh, Josh Fleeks, you know, the talented wide receiver from Cedar Hill, uh, he said, I don't expect them to be very good this year. You know, uh, Matt Rule isn't selling them a false bill of goods. He wasn't telling them that they were going to go 11-1 and this year. Um, and, and, yeah, so I think that if you're a 2018 recruit, it's attractive to be able to be to look at this situation and say, hey, I can come in, contribute right away, especially at some certain positions, like, again, wide receiver, I think, they're going to need some help. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's a very attractive situation for some of these kids. Now, if it turns into year two of three wins, if it turns into year three of three wins, then all of a sudden, I mean, then you're a bad program. You're not a rebuilding program. You're just not a good program. So, um, you know, the novelty of being able to come in and start right away really wears off if your program just isn't good. And, and the thing is, too, yes, if it's, if it's between 
Baylor and Oklahoma, it's going to be real tough to nab some of those kids. Um, you know, I think that because while being able to come in and play early is attractive to people, the prospect of going and winning championships potentially and going and beating Ohio State on the road, that's just a little bit more attractive. Um, so, so it's going to be a building process. And again, year one of, you know, I think three might even be a little bit high for, for this team right now. But, you know, year one of one or two wins, okay, whatever, that, that happens. As long as it doesn't turn into year two and year three of it, then I don't think it'll hurt too bad. Right. Now, I've heard people complain that the team doesn't look like they have a lot of energy, that they look tired, that they don't look very excited to play, especially compared to some of the teams in the past. Do you think that has anything to do with the new style of play? Um, I don't know whether it has to do with the new style of play as much as it does with the new style of practice. Right, and, right. That's kind of what I yeah, mean. Yeah, and so, um, so yeah, I do think that there is something to that. Um, I do think that eventually the team will be better off for it. But yeah, in this first year, again, you see how many guys are going down. I mean, uh, obviously, again, the entire secondary was out for, for the first game, basically. And and again, sometimes injuries are inevitable. Like, you know, Graylin Arnold was apparently on a non-contact uh, drill. And so, you know, things yeah. happen sometimes. Uh, that made me really upset, man. He was my favorite back there. Yeah, and so... Um, I don't want to say that uh, that is the only reason, but I do think that, you know, especially because Browse practices were pretty finesse, you know I mean? And, and I think that it showed when you went into game time that, you know, sometimes, uh, except for certain areas, I think the offensive line was always extremely physical, but I think that defensively they weren't always super physical. And I think the wide receivers were, you know, other than a couple of exceptions like Corey Coleman, weren't always ex- especially physical. And so I do think that, it's a good thing and will pay off. But yeah, I think that you do have to look at it as a little bit worrying that so many guys are getting hurt during practice um, and far more than ever before, obviously. Changing to a fun subject, let's talk about you for a second, my friend. So let Baylor Nation know, man, I knew you back when we were both undergrads at Baylor, right? Would you tell your story? Tell us how you went from writing for the Lariat to covering the SEC for a while and then to... Diehards, which is a new website, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, so will you tell me how that happened? Tell us how that worked out for you. All right, so so to start off, I never intended to go and become a sports journalist. Uh, that was never part of the plan. I came to Baylor actually uh, assuming that I was going to major in political science and go to law school, then joined the Lariat as a sophomore just for fun. You know, I was bored. And uh, turned out I liked it a lot and was pretty dang good at it. And... You know, uh, so it started with the Lariat, and then through the Lariat, uh, I got the Dallas Morning News attention, um, and that's when I did the Baylor Sports Day blog for the Morning News. Uh, yeah, and so that really gave me a lot of opportunities because, again, once you have that on your resume, that sure helps a lot. You know, and I do want to give a special shout out to uh, to to Tim and Kevin over at at Baylor Scout too. They took an op- uh, they took a chance on me when I was still uh, in my first year at the Lariat, and you know, just contribute a little bit. But yeah, so then the morning news turned into eventually the summer before my senior year, I got an internship at SI where I went up and worked in New York, you know, got to be part of their campus rush team for the next year. And, you know, just kind of one opportunity led to another, uh, you know, just tried to build up my resume, got to, you know, tried to dabble in as many different mediums as possible because that's what you have to do now, obviously, in journalism. 
then when I was about to graduate, actually, so originally one of my really good friends, Brandon Whelans, uh, had gotten connected with this SEC country site because he covered Texas A&M. He was the A&M Sports Day blogger. And <laughs> I, I'm actually, I was actually really mad when he did it. But during his interview, they asked him, oh, well, is there anybody else who you think might be good for this site? And like immediately was like, oh, you should contact my friend Shahan. <laughs> and, and like in the middle of his interview. And so they, they called me during his interview to say, hey, can you send over a resume really quickly? <laughs> and so, uh, so I did. Um, that's how I got connected with SEC Country. So um, got hired there as a general assignment guy, did that for the past year. And then this year, um, so SEC Country's through Cox Media Group, which is like the same uh, company that owns the Austin American Statesman and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And then they decided that they wanted to go national with it. And that's what DieHards.com is, is the national branch of SC country, basically. And, you know, I was sort of a natural person to be the big 12 general assignment writer since I'd been there for a year. And we brought over Matt Jennings as our breaking news editor who who had been on the SEC country uh, news team. And he's a TCU grad. So we get to banter about that a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, so now I'm here. I'm back in the big 12, you know, covering the conference at large and I'm loving it very cool hey I'm sorry for looking down real quick but somebody just sent me the depth chart for this week have you seen it yet I've not uh actually the the Matt Rule presser is going on right now so I figured that would uh oh man so we timed this bad this was poor timing on our part huh <laughs> who posted it on Twitter um I actually or, uh, yeah Michael Bartlemay actually just texted okay. it to me the biggest change I'm seeing is that Sam Tecklenburg is going to start at center Ooh, now. Okay. Yeah, and Ishmael Wilson is over there at the left guard spot now. Starting. Okay. And oh shoot, Deontay Williams starting over there at end over Brian Nance. Oh, at end. Okay. Yeah, rush end. So that's really interesting. I think. Um, then you got Blake Lynch over Jamison Houston at okay. corner, but they'll all rotate in right. anyway. Yeah. So that's all I'm seeing right now. Oh, Charlie Brewer is listed as the backup. Uh, I guess maybe a new Solomon really is in concussion protocol or whatever that may be. So that's what I see on here right now. Do you think this is Matt Rule's attempt to make a spark, uh, you know, switching some people around, maybe taking the freshman center off the offensive line, seeing if we can get a little more push? I mean, what do you think this is? You know, is? I got to be honest. I didn't feel like Ryan Miller was the biggest problem, <laughs> you know, on that offensive line. Um you know, I think that it was kind of breakdowns across, obviously. Um, I think that – I think it'll be a little bit good to get Tecklenburg out of that guard role because I think that he kind of struggled because, I mean, he's not the biggest guy. I mean, he's like, what, 270? I mean, it's 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 a lot to ask of him to play guard. Um, you know, I almost just – you know, again, he's a converted tight end. I'm a little bit more surprised that they didn't start him at tackle. Um, I think that having Wilson in there will help a lot. Just an experienced guy who's been there. Um and so, so yeah, so it's Tecklenburg at center. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's uh, Ish Wilson at left guard, and then everybody yes. else is the same. Looks like it, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I think having that experience in there will definitely help. And um, I mean, if if Coach Rule feels more comfortable with uh, with Tecklenburg at center than Miller, I mean, again, I thought that Miller played pretty well the first two games, but again, he is a freshman. Uh, you know, it is a different level of physicality, obviously. Um, you know, cornerback, that's that's pretty interesting that they have Lynch starting. But again, I mean, like you said, they're going to be rotating guys in and out. That's just how they play their system, and and that's a good thing. Yeah, so he's starting over Brian Nance, you said? Yeah, it's Deontay Williams starting over there. So what's the defensive line then? So, Because uh, um, KJ, is he back? No, it looks like you've got Xavier Jones, 
Ira okay. Lewis, Michael Johnson, Deontay Williams. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, is Nance the backup on it? Yeah, he is. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I think that one thing that speaks to is Rule has never been afraid of doing things his way, and and I think that that's a good quality to have that, you know, because I think that there's some upperclassmen, obviously, who we haven't seen play very much, right? And um, I think that one of the reasons for that is just, you know, you either buy into Coach Rule or you don't. And and he's not afraid to start younger guys if, if they buy in. Because, again, you look at uh, linebackers, a good example. You know, he started Jalen Petrie right away. And, um, you know, there were injuries back there that played a part. But, uh, you know, this is a guy who came to campus and bought in right away. And then he was very comfortable starting him. Obviously, you can say the same with Ryan Miller. You can say the same with, uh, gosh, who are the other freshmen who are starting? Uh, John Lovett, even. Harrison Hand. Harrison Hand. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, you know, because even somebody like uh, Verkedrick Vons, who's been there for a while, you know, they move him up to safety. They don't just kind of slot him in at cornerback to, to take the place of a freshman. And I think Hand has played very well so far. And so... Um, you know, I think it's very interesting. I'm, I'm curious what the cause was, because Nance has not played particularly well the first couple of games. You know, I think he's been not one of the bigger disappointments, but he's been a disappointment, definitely, uh, especially on a defensive line that hasn't gotten much pressure. So, no, I'm very curious to see how uh, how they end up using Williams, because, again, I mean, this was a guy who was middle linebacker. This wasn't even a, you know, this wasn't a rush linebacker. This was a straight-up middle linebacker. You know, I think he came in at 225 uh, in the last depth chart. So, he provides more of a speed rusher role, and that's obviously how Matt Rule used. Everybody talks about Hassan Reddick at Temple, and I think that there's no reason why he couldn't do that. But again, it's curious to see kind of Nance pushed out of the starting lineup. Yeah, so speaking of that, I'm on the record actually a couple of episodes on this podcast ago in saying that I think Charlie Brewer is the best quarterback of the bunch and has the most upside. So do you, if this season's already gone to crap and you've got a few options you're already playing some freshmen (laughs) do you play charlie brewer now or do you stick with smith and try to keep the red shirt on charlie so he has four years left what do you do in that situation i think you wait and keep him for four years just because uh you know brewer's not necessarily an nfl style quarterback um you know i don't think that he's gonna necessarily be a guy who jumps out early uh obviously just with the with the austin connections everybody's gonna compare him to baker mayfield but i do think that there's a little bit of merit to that just in terms of uh you know he's He's got some moxie what's that I said he's got some moxie to he him. He does. I mean, he, you know, I, I think that they just make him like that down here at uh, Lake Travis, right, is where they're both from. Yeah, Lake Travis. Uh, and so, um, no, I mean, he, he kind of has that whole deal where he can move with his feet, but he kind of does it to, to get out of the pocket and keep his eyes downfield, you know, which I think is Baker Mayfield's best attributes. And, uh, and again, you, you know, you can't argue with 77% completion percentage, obviously, at the high school level. I mean, that's crazy numbers um but at the same time again I mean I think that uh I think that he wasn't heavily recruited at times for a reason he's a little bit smaller he's a little bit slighter you know maybe you just want to wait and wait for his body to develop a little bit and um you know I just think if you don't have to burn that red shirt then I don't think you should and you know I mean again I I don't think it's been a quarterback issue that's that's my biggest thing about all this is I don't I mean Solomon did not throw the ball well but 
he had no time to throw it. And, you know, and Zach Smith has his work cut out for him um, against Duke, obviously. And then, you know, if, if Solomon's still hurt, the next week, obviously, it's against Oklahoma. Uh, it, it doesn't get any easier. So, in my opinion, um, you know, if, if later in the year, if, if uh, you know, if you feel like Charlie Brewer's ready, then maybe you can go and throw him out there for some of the later games against, you know, Iowa State, Kansas, Texas Tech, where, you know, because obviously everybody remembers, uh, you know, the, the national title game where, where Garrett Gilbert gets in and plays against Alabama, and he's never really the same after that. You know, he kind of is just, he plays a little bit scared after that. And I think that's obviously not something that you want to happen um, with the guy who, again, I mean, I, I do think that there's a pretty good chance that uh, that he's the future of your program. But, um, so I don't think you rush it. If no. Don't get me wrong, if Matt Rule feels like Charlie Brewer's ready and should play right away, then that's one thing. But I would just be wary of rushing him because, again, you have two relatively experienced quarterbacks on the roster. Um, so you might as well see what they can give you. And again, this, it, this season's not about this season. You know, it's, it's about building for the future. And, you know, if you can get potentially up to four years of Charlie Brewer in addition to redshirting this year, I think you take that. Looking forward to this week, what do you expect from this team out of Duke against David Cutcliffe's team, and what do you want to see from the Bears the rest of the season going forward? Well, I think it starts with protection. Um, you know, I think that you just want to see the quarterbacks at least get time to, to make those throws, you know, because I think that you know the running backs have played pretty well. I know that I know that um, John Lovett's numbers weren't necessarily super efficient, but considering he was the only back out there, he's you know, a I thought stud. He was, yeah, and he was very productive. And you know, again, I mean, because I think he averaged like three point nine yards per carry, but I don't think that's his fault or typical or anything like that. I mean, I think he played pretty well. You know, and you'd like to get a little bit more help from the receivers too. I don't think that they've been doing a new any favors. So, so you know, that's the big thing is I would like to see them, especially some of the younger guys get the quarterback a little bit more protection. Um, and I'd like to see some of the young defensive linemen apply a little bit more pressure because at this point, it's kind of been non-existent. I mean, we can we can talk about secondary all we want, but the reality is just these wide receivers are so good at every level in, uh, in the FBS that if you give them five seconds, they're going to get open. I mean, that's just how this works. You can't, the, the whole idea is that, you know, defensive backs are there as a temporary barrier and the defensive line has to get to them and make the quarterback get rid of the ball because if he doesn't get rid of the ball and has all day to look for it, eventually he's going to hit somebody. So um, I think that the pass rush has been really, really mediocre. It was better, for sure, against UTSA, and I think that actually they played pretty well against the run too. But I think you just need to see a little bit more. And, th- and that doesn't just include the defensive line. You know, I mean, I, I would like to see a little bit more rushing the quarterback from Taylor Young. He's kind of been a little bit of a non-factor, which I'm disappointed by. Um, and, again, obviously, we'll see whether this move of switching out Brian Nance for Deontay Williams spars, uh, sparks anything. But, um, you know, I think that you really just need to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback because otherwise he has all day. And, and along with that, I mean, again, You've seen that there have been uh, relatively rushing quarterbacks the, the past couple days or the past couple weeks. You know, they also need to contain a little bit better. And I think that's more on the linebackers because what's the kid's name? Dalton Sturm, right, was a, was a quarterback this weekend. You know, I mean, he's not a rushing quarterback, but he was just able to find those gaps and break through and he rushed for nearly 100 yards. And that, you know, that can't happen. So, and then and then looking forward to Duke. Um, Duke's been looking pretty dang dangerous <laughs> the past couple weeks. Uh, I mean, they went out and 
killed Northwestern. Um, not not to mention that they dropped 60 against uh, North Carolina Central, which it's North Carolina Central, but they hadn't dropped 60 since like the 40s. So I mean, this is a this is a good offense. Um, you know, we all know David Cutcliffe is a quarterback whisperer, and Daniel Jones looks like as good as he's had in a little while. You know, they're talented. Uh, they're going to put up points and. Um, you know, I think it's a really good challenge for, for Baylor's defense because, again, I mean, I think the offense is going to be a work in progress. And, and I think uh, I think that that's where the coaching staff doesn't quite know what they want to do as yet. Because I think on defense, they know what they want and they're not executing. On offense, I think they're still trying to figure out what they want because, you know, I think that you've just seen a lot of different – I mean, running multiple schemes is one thing, but they're running so many different schemes. And, you know, you're, they're lining up an eye and throwing out of that, and then they're, you know, back in spread and back in – shotgun and you know that I think that they're still trying to work through what they want so so you know if the offense takes some time I'm not that bothered by that I want to see more from the defense because this is a defensive coaching staff so you know if they can get some pressure if they can force some mistakes if if the defensive backs can show a little bit more in coverage that's what I'd be looking for so if uh, I, I don't expect it to be particularly close um, you know I think that Duke especially on the road is a better team but as long as they can show some flashes, especially the young guys, um, I think that you can take a lot away from that still. Good stuff, my man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, bro. Yeah, of course. All right, and so for our final segment today, uh, I want to look at some bears in the NFL. And we're going to do, I think, one player a week when we do this. So this is for Andrew, who emailed in and asked us if we could do a recap of some bears in the NFL. And today I'm going to start with the guy that a lot of us are still keeping up with because I hope a lot of us are Cowboys fans. And that's Terrence Williams, the wide receiver who was the Bolitnikoff runner-up for the Bears in 2012. He just re-signed with the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. After being offered some more money to go to some different places, he opted to take a little bit less money and stay with the Cowboys. He said it's his dream to be a Dallas Cowboy. It was because of loyalty. He feels loyalty to Jerry Jones, to the Dallas Cowboys, to his teammates. And I think that's really, really admirable and awesome. And so last night, uh, the Dallas Cowboys played their first game of the season. And Terrence Williams played really well. He had 68 yards on six catches. Actually led the Cowboys receiving Um What's a little bit of a bummer is that he did walk out on a boot after rolling his ankle and maybe having some damage to the arch of his foot, Um, but the trainers told him he could go back in if he could just tolerate the pain, and he said, heck yeah, and he jumped back in there and had a great game for Dallas last night. So really, really impressive stuff from Terrence Williams, and he's doing just great, and it's really nice to see, you know, with so much speculation about Bears not being able to make it in the NFL. Terrence Williams has really established himself as a valuable part of that Dallas Cowboys offense, and he was one of my favorite players when he was here. He, Looking back, he's probably my favorite receiver that we've had at Baylor, and I'm really excited he's doing well in Dallas. So there's your NFL update for this week for, as far as Bears in the NFL, and we will have more for that next week. That's all I've got for you this week, Baylor fans. I want to give a huge shout-out to Shihan Jayaraja for joining me today on the podcast and talking last week's game. Let's look ahead to Duke with positivity. Remember, fans, be positive. Support those players. Support those coaches. Thank you to Jeremy Wilson. Thank you to Travis Thompson for all of the music on today's podcast. I'm Scotty Swingler. This is Please Bear With Me.